Welcome to Silly History, I'm Matt Pekarski. I love funny stories, especially when they come from real life. I've compiled a long list of true tales that made me laugh, and now I want to share them with you. There's a lot of crazy stuff historical figures did or said, and yet we've never heard about them. History class would have been a lot more interesting with some of these sprinkled in here and there. Not that I ever disliked learning history. Hopefully there's at least a couple of yarns you haven't heard before. Let's hear one now. Back in December of 1979, Paul was being escorted through the Palo Alto Research Center's facility. The technological advancements being demonstrated to him and others was mind-blowing. Founded only nine years prior by the printing company Xerox, Park was already making leaps and bounds in the tech industry. In 1971, the company modulated a laser to create a bit-mapped electronic image on a zero-graphic copier drum. In layman's terms, they invented laser printing. In 1973, they introduced the Alto Personal Workstation, the first to not be tethered to a large centralized mainframe. Also in the same year, they introduced the Ethernet system. In 1982, they invented fiber optic local area networks, for which I'm not sure Verizon Fios has openly thanked them. And in 1990, they built the first digital x ray imager and display system thus revolutionizing the medical industry and bringing them into the digital age. While many of these breakthroughs weren't out just yet, Paul could see what was coming down the pipeline. His own tech company was on the verge of going public, and it was obvious that he and his investors were going to make a killing. Xerox knew it too, which is why they invited him to Park, giving him a sneak peek into what some of the greatest minds of his profession were cooking up. And although an invitation like this was more than enough to convince someone like Paul to visit, they sweetened the offer by promising that they would purchase their own fair number of shares in Paul's own operation. How could he say no? Paul and several others were given the 50-cent tour, during which they paused to showcase their Alto computer, which featured several pioneering components, including the now-standard mouse. As researcher Larry Tesler demonstrated how the computer worked, he watched Paul clench his fist, put it underneath his chin, and pace back and forth, trying to slowly leak out his enthusiasm versus allowing the dam to break free. He told Larry and his colleagues that they were sitting on a gold mine. It was sheer inspiration for him, and it wasn't like Paul didn't have a few good ideas himself. Christmas for Paul had come early. This was a game changer, and he needed to incorporate some of the innovations into his own products. His company's personal computer, the Lisa, could certainly prove that it had the potential to be a breakthrough success as well, but it was still lacking that extra flair that could propel the industry into a whole new realm. Now, Paul knew exactly what that looked like. Paul went back to his company and had his engineers get straight to work, both on the Lisa and a second model designed for the average consumer. He coaxed them along, singing their high praises and likening their work to high art. That's how he saw all of it himself, beautiful works of art. When his engineers showed him the internal circuit board they had just completed, he told them to go back to the drawing board, simply because it didn't look pretty. Their machines weren't just going to be great, they were going to be insanely great. The Lisa came out in January 1983, featuring one of the vital systems developed by the engineers at Park, the graphical user interface. Users could now access files, start programs, and perform other routine tasks, 
all with the simple click of a mouse. The success of the Lisa certainly made corporate at Xerox grind their teeth. Were Paul's actions an exercise in bad faith? Some would say so, but they didn't own the ideas. And if they felt that they did, they should have never invited him over. Paul saw an opportunity and he took it. And there was nothing they could do about it. Xerox wasn't going to pivot from large-scale business systems to consumer-friendly desktops. A couple of years later, Paul's second PC, incorporating the graphical user interface, mouse, and other features he took from Park, was launched, but only to moderate success. It unfortunately lacked power and was too expensive for the average consumer. Still, it was a stepping stone forward in a long line of successes and failures that would ultimately make Paul a technological and cultural icon. Stephen Paul Jobs passed away from a long battle with pancreatic cancer on October 5, 2011, at the age of 56, but his legacy lives on in each of our pockets, even smaller daily reminders to the big wigs at Xerox of what they freely gave to him. I'm almost surprised that they don't brag about it. Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, please subscribe, give it a five-star rating, and share with not one but two of your friends. If I haven't told your favorite silly story from history, send me an email at nightowlbroadcasting at gmail.com. Subject, Silly History Story. This show is a Night Owl production. <laughs>